0: Australia's relationship to Italian food, its it has come a long way from a moment not so far past when a cappuccino and spaghetti uh, were, were exotic entities. <laughs> Let's not forget, in the recent pandemic, it was that Italian staple, pasta, that flew off the supermarket shelves when lockdown struck. A weird combination of pasta and toilet paper. There are, of course, various Italian cuisines, in particular, there's the one that travels the world—all pizza, meatballs, and, and red sauce—and then there are the ones, the distinct, the distinct regionality of Italy. The, the ones that stay behind, and, and maybe uh, this, this culinary ubiquity is its own kind of curse. What, what assumptions do we make about Italian food? What do we forget about something that's in so ways so familiar? Uh, a refresher is in order, and we have the perfect guest to help us out here. Uh, her name is Julia Buzzatil Nishimura. Uh, she's a cook, an author, a teacher. Her books include Ostro and A Year of Simple Family Food. Uh, to farewell the summer months, Julia's hosting an Italian inspired banquet at this year's Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. More about that in a moment. She joins us now. Julia, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Are you a bit of an Italophile?
1: (laughs) Definitely. I mean, from a very early age. So my family are Maltese, so no actual Italian running through my veins, but I very much was enamoured by Italy from a really young age. Stories, yeah, from my mum of travelling to Italy and Italian food and
0: well, you, your mum f- feels like quite a glamorous figure. <laughs> Tell me about her Italian travel.
1: Yeah, so my mum um, used to work for TAA in the 70s, so which is now Qantas. So she used to look after all the VIPs. So she had amazing stories of Melbourne Airport and the people she used to look after. Um, but those were the days where you could just kind of jump in the cockpit and <laughs> go to Rome.
0: Take this plane to Rome. Take this plane to Rome. <laughs>
1: let's buy some leather gloves. Like I have some beautiful handbags from this one shop in Rome. Like they're my some of my best treasures. And yeah, all of the stories kind of were real, really colourful and somewhat I'm sure embellished. But I did kind of grow up with this very magical view of of travel, but also of of how enriching I guess. Yeah, different food and cultures. And
0: well, just to say, when when did the food come into that?
1: I mean, the food was definitely from my Maltese family as well. You know, big family gatherings, we would grow broad beans, well, you know, my uncle would drop off rabbits for to make stew. So it's a very kind of exciting and interesting childhood. You know, I grew up in Adelaide, actually, so we would go to the Maltese club and I would just be so um, in awe of the kitchen. I just wanted to be in the kitchen and I was always, you know, at my auntie's feet. So from a really young age, I just loved cooking.
0: But there's elements you mentioned there and that, that Maltese <laughs> experience, that thing of, of, of seasonality, of, of stuff just plucked from the yeah. <laughs> plucked from the woods that surround you, which has – that's feeling Southern Italian to Mm. me. There's there's a real resonance between those two ideas.
1: Totally, and I think when you go to the root of Italian cooking or, you know, French or Spanish, like so many – countries or pr- probably all countries but that kind of idea of making use of what you have is very at the heart of Italian cooking and Maltese and you know my husband's Japanese and so that's come into it as well and there's this thread that kind of runs through the essence of all of these foods
0: but that is the thing that you say about about all those places mm. what is in that place in the south of Italy what is in that place in the north of Italy what totally. is in that place in rural France totally that's what determines that that cuisine
1: and I think that's what so magical you know when you go to a a village in say Tuscany where I lived it was southern Tuscany so halfway between Florence and Rome the food there was completely different to Tuscany an hour north closer to like Bologna so I just think every town every village every family just has their own way of, of doing things and it's Pretty amazing because it does mean that it's the cuisine is so regional. It's not homogenous. It's very exciting. If, if,
0: if people have never visited Italy and and their impression of Italian food is that American diasporic, a very Neapolitan idea of, of Italian food, but the, the the reality is is so broader than that.
1: Yeah, it's so broad and there are so many influences and so many reasons for the different, you know, in Tuscany, for example, there's the bread doesn't have salt and there's so many historical reasons for that. And, you know, you go up north and it's closer to kind of like um, Slovenia and, and, and things like that. There's just so many influences, which is so fascinating. But, you know, that diasporic cuisine is so cool as well. What's so amazing is that nothing is really stuck in time. Like, I think they all are so influenced by, you know, the migrant experience or the what was available here and what's available initially. You know, you go to Italy and it's quite hard-pressed to find people in in the cities who are doing source day, and whereas you go here, you know, you're in Australia in the backyards and everyone's holding on to that. Like, that's so special as well.
0: That, that time in Tuscany, I mean, tell us about that. How did, how did that come about as a young person?
1: Yeah, so I was studying at uni. I was studying politics and Italian and I just wanted to be better at Italian, basically. And so I took five months off my degree and found a family on a website. This is very (laughs) 2010, maybe. I'm coming. (laughs) found this amazing family through an au pair website and I was with this incredible family who actually used to run an agriturismo and also they had a vivayo, which is like a big plant nursery. They would grow all the plants to do landscaping for all these amazing gardens. Um, Yeah, it was incredible. I just had one person to look after, one girl. So it was very, um, it wasn't high stress. I had to, yeah, just cook and help her with her English and it was a really eye-opening experience because I guess I was living with a family every day, all of the normal things which for me were just, you know, amazing, going to the market, going to the butcher, doing all of the little errands which I loved. Suddenly
0: there it was. What was your big sort of food revelation at that time? Is there a thing that really stood out?
1: I mean, they had a tap of extra virgin olive oil in the kitchen. A tap? (laughs) I was like, this is living. <laughs> so I think I just, you know, it was that emphasis on the mealtime, um, which I had as well growing up, but the mealtime was very special, which I just held on to. And that seasonal thing, you know, I grew up, my parents didn't have a lot of money, so it was very, eating seasonally was an economic choice and you know we were very frugal whereas this family had a lot more money and a lot more time to go shopping and pick specific ingredients and it was a very kind of eye-opening way to live and I just kind of took the parts of that which I love and brought that back because I think you know yeah every little region has just a whole it's another cuisine.
0: If you're doing a food map uh, (laughs) of of Italy I mean how, how would you characterize it regionally what what you start with tomato at the bottom and yeah, work I mean, up to big lumps of steak at the top. I a mean, bit, you know, down
1: south. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, yeah, tomato. There's the buffalo mozzarella. Um, a lot of fried foods down south, which is um, delicious. And you know eggplants and very kind of agrarian food, like a lot of vegetables. And then, I guess, central Italy, Tuscany, Umbria, a lot of, like, lentils and beans, quite warming-feeling foods, I would say. But then, you know, you go up even north and then you get the really – egg-heavy pastas and a lot of field pasta with you know meat and a lot more luxurious ingredients I suppose so the saffron a lot of butter but still you know there is a lightness as well I remember being in France before I moved before I lived initially and I was just crazy. I was just like I could just eat some tomatoes. <laughs> so I think that I mean you know there's just you go up and down the the peninsula and it's just it very so much. But I think you know you can kind of characterize by geography, a little bit. And,
0: and, and have Italians been good at, at hanging on to that or is it homogenised somewhat? I mean, it's, it's the way of the world as we've all become kind of the same thing or both no matter where we are. But is there, is there a certain loyalty and fierceness about maintaining that regional identity?
1: I think so. I think the pride and again, the access to ingredients and traditions and what's kind of around you really does dictate what you're cooking. I think with migration within Italy, you know, there's been a lot of kind of openness of then different cuisines moving around because of just people have been moving around. Like um, our neighbour, which was, she was the nonna actually of the family. She was from Piemonte. So she would make agnolotti for Christmas, which you just wouldn't find on a Tuscan table usually for Christmas, I remember making like a fennel and orange salad and they had never eaten it before, which, uh, you know, a lot of people would be like, that's Italian, that's Sicilian, that's an Italian salad, and they just had never seen it. They were like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's this kind of exoticism, I suppose, within Italy as well, and they are tightly held onto. I think.
0: Which is the wonderful thing, that exoticism, uh, about bringing those cuisines Mm. to a a second country like Mm. Australia. You can... Make of it what you will. <laughs> there are there are no rules here as to how you can be Italian.
1: Yeah, I think you know it is it is freeing in a way. You know, I think there is that um, responsibility, I suppose, to respect traditions and to kind of keep things in inverted commas, authentic. Well, is think, it
0: okay to mingle regions?
1: Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, I'm not Italian, so I don't want to speak about. <laughs>
0: <up>, <laughs> yeah, that's a point. You know, I
1: think the regionality. <laughs> um, you know, it depends how you're labeling it. If you're calling something from this region I think it's important to represent how it is and to just be mindful that you know these are really long held culinary or food traditions but you know I think there's rules that maybe shouldn't be broken but there's also things that can be that <laughs>
0: Give me a rule.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, there is that big debate about carbonara and, you know, whether... Okay, all right, all
0: right, okay, (laughs) let's do the carbonara thing.
1: (laughs) For carbonara, like, yeah, guanciale or you can use pancetta, cracked black pepper, egg yolks, pecorino the pasta water. But, you know, there obviously are the variations. So some people put cream, which, you know, I'm not actually adverse to putting in, you know, a dollop of cream. I think that's okay. Um, But, you know, you see ones with mushrooms and chicken and that's just so far from well, from what, it, I from what the intention rule.
0: is. I think that's an excellent rule. If you want to make a mushroom pasta, make a mushroom pasta. I think pasta. that's the
1: thing. I think, you know, and there are, you know, there's beautiful pasta that I had in Rome and it was zucchini and egg and it was almost, it was basically almost a carbonata but we threw Zucchini, but they didn't call it carbonara because they don't need to. You can just call it, you know, zucchini and guanciale pasta. It doesn't have to have that mm. label. So I think it's about, you know, being respectful to, tradi- to traditions but not letting it limit you to, I suppose, explore other ways of preparing dishes, you know.
0: I think that one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life was a stupidly simple thing but in Rome and it was bread, beautiful butter and beautiful gorgonzola. Yum. Combination, and I thought oh, this isn't be too rich, and it was.
1: <laughs> but it was delicious. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah.
0: So okay, any other rules?
1: Oh, any other rules. I mean there's the cheese and um the cheese on seafood. So like on seafood pasta, not putting the cheese, which I stand by. I think, you know, seafood's already briny. I feel like the cheese for me, I think of it as a salt, you know, like a salty, rich addition and I just don't think it it's needed. But also who am I to say? Um, that's, I think that's, uh, you know, for me, I'm a home cook. I write cookbooks in people's homes. I give guides and guidance to how I cook something, but I can't, I'm not going to be in someone's kitchen saying don't do that.
0: And yet it's a kind of a nice thing. It's a nice thing, in, you know, with so much about food is just open slather. Yeah. To sort of say, well, well actually, no, yeah. this is the way this is. <laughs> Yeah, I think there are some peel.
1: instances, you know, where you can say, yeah, like, you know, I just wrote a recipe last week and I had a discussion with my editor about um, pitted or unpitted olives and why why are you suggesting unpitted and then you suggest suggesting the recipe to pit them. And, you know, there are reasons for, for for doing things and I think it's important to stick to some things that you intend and you think it'll make a better eating experience and it's a learning experience for the reader. So.
0: Yeah. So Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, <laughs> a banquet farewelling summer. I'm I'm, I'm seeing almond granita. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's no almond granita, although that's a very delicious idea. Um, yeah, it's going to be really fun. It's a very
0: southern sort of that idea. That is,
1: yeah, very Sicilian. <laughs> but, you know, we are kind of melding recipes from all over Italy, so it's not sticking to okay. a region. Um, and we're doing... Yeah, a really just fun kind of trattoria-inspired menu. So there's going to be crostini. I'm making these zeppole, which are these kind of calabrese savoury donuts, and they're filled with anchovy.
0: Oh my goodness. Which
1: are delicious. <laughs> and I grew up, I mean, I went, I used to go to the festa, so the, or the kind of Catholic festa as a kid, the Italian celebrations. And they would always be frying them very long and skinny. And you could either have them savory with anchovy inside, or they would be sweet and they'd be dipped in sugar. So we're doing some savoury little ones. It's kind of like fried pizza dough, but yeah, stuffed with anchovy. That's going to be delicious. <laughs> we're also doing like a hand-rolled um, cavatelli pasta with um, a cavlonero sauce. So it's a really green, vibrant sauce. Um, we're making some fish with um, salmorillo, which is a Sicilian um, oregano kind of dressing, and then we're making tiramisu. So
0: Ego. pretty fun. What could possibly go wrong? What
1: could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and the wines are by um, Giorgio de Maria, who's an amazing wine importer um, based in Sydney. But, yeah, he's doing all the wine matching. so it's going to. Well, be... I was
0: going to say that, that that notion of, of, of wine too with... Foods of regions, yeah. and and I mean, increasingly interesting varieties grown in this country as well. But the the varietal nature of regional winemaking yeah. is is a thing in itself.
1: It's yeah. I mean, I couldn't even begin to know the names of. Some. It's
0: very expert. Way out. Way out <laughs> it's of our way pay ex- <laughs>
1: I just go to the wine shop and ask them what, what will go. But, um, yeah, the wine of Italy is so historic and there are so many native varietals that I just couldn't even comprehend. <laughs> so I'm excited for that part.
0: If, if you're not in Melbourne, you will be no doubt going, ah. Damn! <laughs> this is part of the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, but uh, look, I think even even hearing Julia describe the menu is, is a treat in itself, and she has books, also recipes over at ABC every day, so you, you're not left out, dear, <laughs> dear national audience. Julia, thank you, and... and Yum.
1: Yum. Thank you. So fun to chat.
0: (laughs) Julia Busatel-Nishimura, cook, author, teacher. Check out ABC Every Day for her work. Books out there in shops and libraries as well. And her event, I hate to tell you this, even if you're in Melbourne, (laughs) is is sold out at the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. But there's so
1: many amazing events. I'm excited.
0: You can live in your dreams (laughs) or try your luck with a wait list.